Chapter Two of A Dash for a Throne by Arthur W. Marchmont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Two, A Gate of Life. I was droning in the small Rhine town Hamnel, close to Kiel, and struck up a casual acquaintance with a man of about my own age, named von Fromberg to whom i had been at first attracted somewhat by the fact that in some respects he resembled myself it happened too that one night i was able to render him a little service i was walking late near the river when he came rushing up to me to beg me to help him against the attack of a couple of men who were running after him with some angry threats he was trembling and very much excited although there did not seem to me to be much cause for fear for the men sheared off as soon as they saw he was no longer alone my companion was greatly agitated however and talked as i thought very absurdly about my having saved his life for the next two or three days he would scarcely leave my side and during that time he poured into my ears much of what was filling his soul it was only a little soul and the contents mere tags and patches of dishevelled passion and emotions though to him all real and disturbing enough he was a student and a dreamer and of course in love he had in some way got mixed up in some brawling with the men who i had seen pursuing him and the whole trouble had set his little pulses throbbing and palpitating with the fear of terrible but quite vague consequences he told me also his love troubles the girl he wished to marry was french and while his people hated the french her father would only allow him to marry the daughter if he would become a frenchman and mingled up with all this was a strange story of family complications the pith of this was that his uncle the head of the family the prince von gramberg a well-enough-known man had written to urge him to go at once to the castle declaring that his instant presence was imperative von fromberg was thus the prey of three sets of emotions desire to marry the french girl terror of the men he had in some way provoked and deadly fear that his uncle would prevent his turning french and so stop his marriage the last disquieted him the most he has never seen me he cried quite passionately never even given a thought to me till i suppose he thinks that as his son is now dead i can be of some use to him and he is such a fire-eating old devil he would think nothing of kidnapping me and shutting me up till i did what he wanted and gave up my marriage he loathes everything french 
it was difficult to associate von fromberg with any very fire-eating kith and kin but i sympathized vaguely and soon found out his reasons for giving me his confidence he wanted me to help him and the request took a singular shape he was to be married and he was crossing the frontier to charm for the purpose and as he was very fearful of interruption and pursuit he wished me to remain in hamnel for a couple of days in his name it sounded ridiculous and of course i demurred pointing to a dozen difficulties that might follow he pressed me very strongly however until i had to tell him pretty curtly that i would do nothing of the sort he was silent a minute and then said of course it must be as you please but if i tell people that your name is really von fromberg and mine fischer it will not hurt any one i shall very speedily undeceive them i answered promptly and thought little more about the matter but on that day i had to change my residence and the next morning i found to my annoyance that he had indeed told the people at both houses that my name was in reality von fromberg and his fischer it was too small a matter to make a fuss about and as i reflected that the only result would be to let him get married with fewer fears i kept my anger till we should meet again but i little foresaw the consequences i was away for several hours in the latter part of the day walking and sketching and on my return to the house at night i thought there was something strange in the manner of a servant who met me and said two gentlemen were waiting for me in my room for me i said with some astonishment for i could not think of any two men in the whole empire likely to come for me yes sir for you they asked for you first as herr von fromberg then as mr fischer some more tomfoolery i thought as i went up the stairs and then it flashed across me that they might be connected with the visit von fromberg had been fearing a glance at the two men who rose at my entrance showed me they were at least gentlemen officers i thought in mufti they were both dark and one the elder carried a beard the other a heavy moustache only good evening gentlemen i said quietly to what do i owe the favour of this visit i was disposed to be on my guard for von fromberg's sake the man with the beard answered this is the first time we have met herr von fromberg my name is von krugen and my friends steinitz i was not quite sure whether to repudiate von fromberg's name at once or to wait until i knew more of the errand i decided that it could do no harm to wait and your object in coming i asked i saw a glance pass between the two and the younger stepped past me casually and took up a position close to the door this interested me at once 
it was quite obviously a move to prevent my running away they seemed to understand von fromberg's character i think you will be able to guess he replied waiting until his companion had carried out the manoeuvre we wish to have a little private conversation with you and to induce you to go with us you will know where and to make sure it shall be private i suppose you got your friend to stand over there by the door i said motioning toward him a merely superfluous caution i am sure was the answer given with a smile but a locked door always keeps intruders out and prisoners in i retorted true he assented with another smile so you may as well look at steinitz and this was done promptly i laughed i had of course nothing to fear i shouldn't run away i said you interest me too much though what on earth you are doing here i can't for the life of me guess we come from your uncle the prince von gramberg and i am specially charged to tell you that matters of the deepest moment involving issues of life and death make it absolutely imperative that you should go with us to the castle at once he spoke in so earnest a tone that his words produced an immediate effect upon me i had no right to play fast and loose with the affairs of a powerful family and the prince's reputation was well enough known to me obviously i must at once explain the mistake as to my identity i was sorry i had not done so at once you are speaking in error and i must tell you before you say another word i am not the nephew of the prince von gramberg i am aware you have denied yourself you are herr von fromberg i addressed you so a minute since no my name is not von fromberg but fischer i am english oh yes i know that but they told me that you preferred to be called that but i am not here to pay heed to small preferences of the kind these are no trifling concerns they are no concerns of mine at all i answered shortly and now that i have explained this have the goodness to leave my rooms i turned to the door as i spoke but the man standing there made no movement at all where then is herr von fromberg asked the older man with incredulity manifest in his tone i cannot tell you i believe i know but i am not at liberty to say i did not think you would be he returned dryly but are you prepared to go to the castle with us you can explain afterward that we have taken you there wrongfully he added with ironical courtesy certainly i am not i spoke warmly for his manner irritated me then will you have the goodness to inform me how it is that you are here in the character of herr von fromberg with the people of the house looking upon you as that gentleman and yourself answering to the name my story was too tame and lame for me to think of telling it 
i took shelter behind indignation i shall certainly give no explanation which is demanded of me by those who have forced themselves into my room and hold me a prisoner in it in this way i answered hotly then you will scarcely be surprised that as i have been informed you are herr von fromberg and you have answered to the name to me i cannot accept your repudiation i do not know why you are so anxious to deny your identity and to keep away from the great position that has opened to you since the death of the prince's son this was thrown out to test me i should refuse no position offered to me i can assure you if it were offered rightfully but i am not the prince's nephew you are sufficiently like him to satisfy me and i am a good deal mistaken if you have not a good deal of his highness's spirit but now it is useless to talk any more here you will go with us of course he asked abruptly of course i will do nothing of the sort very well then i suppose we must go alone steinitz he called sharply jerking his hand as if bidding the other to unlock the door and he himself made as if to leave the room my back was to the second man and before i even suspected treachery he sprang upon me from behind pinioned my arms and bound them while the elder man held a revolver pointed right between my eyes i am sorry you have driven me to do this he said for i am perhaps making you a deadly enemy when i would rather serve you with my life if necessary but my master's orders are imperative we are playing for high stakes here and have to throw boldly at times your presence is necessary at the castle and my instructions are to take you there free or by force will you go without compelling me to use force i looked calmly at his revolver there was no fear he would fire we can scarcely cross the empire in a procession of this kind i said meeting his stern look with a smile and a shrug of the shoulders we shall not try he answered promptly we shall go as doctors you as a mad patient who has escaped from an asylum i have come prepared with the necessary papers and i need not remind you that your own actions here have helped this plan i tell you again i am not the man you seek i cried angrily for i saw the power of his threat i take my chance of that you can explain to the prince this is monstrously ridiculous i exclaimed hotly there are a thousand proofs here in this room that i am not the man you want put your hand in my pocket here and you will see by my letters that i am not after a moment's pause he did so and then too late i remembered von fromberg had given me one of his uncle's letters to read which i had not returned the man chanced to take it out first and held it up your own proof he said laconically and thrust them all back again 
you are making fools of every one concerned i cried very angrily will you give your word of honour to go with us was his answer stolidly spoken it is time to start it was useless to fight further so with another shrug of the shoulders i gave up i warn you the whole thing's a farce though i can't make you believe it i'll go with you but you must put up with the consequences in another moment i was free and he was profuse with his apologies as he opened the door to leave some one came running up the stairs looking hot and agitated to my relief it was von fromberg how is it you're back so soon i cried never mind how it is you come in the nick of time anyhow this is herr von fromberg gentlemen these gentlemen are from your uncle and wish you to go with them you said you would go freely with us sir whispered the elder man at my side you gave your word of honour but this is the man you want i cried pointing to von fromberg who was staring like one panic-stricken from me to the others the elder man turned to him are you the herr von fromberg S certainly not he stammered with a quick look of appeal to me this is he quailed before the look i gave him and stopped you're not going to deny yourself man i cried deny myself von fromberg he answered with a forced uneasy laugh why should i my name is fisher do you want me he said to the two certainly not our business is with this gentleman this is herr von fromberg is it not yes certainly was the reply with another forced laugh now will you keep your word said the man in a meaning tone to me or will you compel me he did not finish the sentence oh just as you like only i warn you it's all an infernal blunder and with that i went with them at the bottom of the stairs i turned and looked up at the man for whom i was mistaken he nodded and made signs to me as if thanking me and urging me to keep up the deception i said not a word more but went with the two men in dogged silence when we reached the station i flung myself into a corner of the railway carriage my companions mounting guard over me one at my side the other in the opposite corner we travelled through the night changing trains more than once sometimes travelling at express speed sometimes crawling and now and again making long stops at junctions i scarcely spoke except to protest that it was all a fool's journey and when the elder man attempted to talk to me i stopped him peremptorily saying that as a stranger i had not the least wish to learn anything of the family's affairs i would not hear a word until we reached the castle 
there however a surprise awaited me that pierced the shell of my apathy in an instant and filled me with a sudden longing to go on with the strange part for which my companions had thus cast me the greatest deference was shown to me on my arrival and i was ushered into a large and lofty room while the elder man went to inform the prince of my arrival the younger man remaining with me the castle was certainly magnificent and i could not refrain from an intense wish that i were indeed the heir to such a glorious place and position my thoughts slipped back to the old life i had thrown away contrasting it with the mockery of my stale humdrum existence and i asked myself what i would not give for such a career as i felt i could build out of the materials fortune had now shovelled into my lap with this taunting munificence then i saw from the window a young golden-haired girl standing among the flower-beds she was dressed all in black the exquisitely beautiful and regular features set and saddened with an expression of profound grief and melancholy she was holding some freshly plucked roses in her hand and after she had plucked one or two others a serving-maid approached and said something to her and she turned and looked toward the window at which i stood probably mere curiosity was the motive but to me it seemed as if the look were instinct with anxiety doubt and appeal suddenly i saw her start and glance around and if ever a face told of fear and repulsion hers did for all the struggle that her pride made to repress the evidence of her emotion and to force up a smile to cover an aching heart then i saw the cause of the change a man came into view and my heart gave a great leap of anger that had long slumbered i had known him in the old life for the falsest scoundrel that ever cheated a friend or ruined a woman the mere sight of him set me on fire he had dealt me a foul and treacherous wrong and when i had sought him to call him to account he had fled and i could never trace him i watched him now as he spoke to the girl and my old hate awoke till i could have found it in me to rush out there and then to cast his foulness in the face and choke his life out of him and my brow gathered in an angry scowl as i watched the girl's struggle between pride and loathing when she answered him and shrank back from the sensual brute stare of his eyes as soon as i could keep my voice steady i called my companion to the window who are those i asked the countess mina the prince's only daughter now his only child it is she who under heaven will be the queen of he checked himself when he caught my look of intense surprise 
and to the man who's he the count von nauheim her future husband god help her then said i with involuntary fervour my companion started and looked at me do you know i know nothing i replied very curtly these are no concerns of mine but i can read a face he looked at me searchingly but i had taken my watch out and was playing with the guard this prince seems a devil of a long time sending for me if he keeps me much longer i shall lose my train back i spoke indifferently and threw myself into a chair to think i sat a long time buried in these old rustled reflections until the chain of thought was snapped abruptly and i sprang to my feet as a great cry ran through the castle and the sound of a woman's sobbing what's that i asked of the man with me who had changed colour and was manifestly disturbed i don't understand it he said after a long pause during which he went and stood by the door as if doubting whether i might try to leave the sounds of confusion in the castle increased servants were hurrying in all directions but no one came to us later on the toll of a heavy bell sounded with vibrating echoes through the hot heavy sleepy air a minute after it was repeated and before the sound had died away the elder of the two men came back into the room he was deadly pale and so agitated that his voice trembled he approached me and bowed with signs of deep respect i bring you the worst of news the prince is dead and your highness is master in his stead dead i cried in the profoundest astonishment he was stricken this morning and lay dying when we entered the castle and he was dead before your highness could be summoned a protest leapt to my lips but i did not give it utterance the thought of the girl i had seen the countess minna left helpless in the power of that consummate villain von nauheim silenced me i would wait until at least i had time to think out a course of action End of chapter 2